We are uh, working our way through a sermon series for January, thinking about the Jesus we need to know. Uh, There are lots of uh, partial truths and confusions out there about who Jesus really is, and uh, we've been trying to focus on some specifics. Uh, The first Sunday in January, we uh, talked together about uh, the baby king, how important it is that Jesus was king even from birth, even before birth, and uh, last week, Jesus Christ, the word, God's communication to us, and today, as you've been hearing thematically throughout the morning, uh, Jesus, the Lamb of God. I want to read one of those primary texts that lift that up from the gospel according to John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 36. And I'll invite you to stand as God's word is shared and as God's word comes among us. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day John again was standing with two of his disciples, And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, during the course of this sermon series, we've been uh, introducing or uh, reviewing some framing questions. And here they are on the screen. Uh, And don't assume too quickly that you know the answer to them without a little bit of reflection and a little bit of struggle and, and uh, discussion. Who is Jesus? Not, not what we think, but what does Scripture say? Who is Jesus? How does culture sometimes distort our understanding of Jesus? Those things that sort of just get into our bloodstream and are not quite accurate. How exactly does Jesus save us? And what does he save us from? We throw those phrases around. What do they really mean? This morning, we're thinking about the lamb. And notice that twice in a very brief passage of scripture, uh, John the Baptist calls Jesus the lamb of God. Now, throughout scripture, whenever something is mentioned more than once, that's scripture's way of sort of taking a yellow highlighter and marking it for us to see. The Lamb of God is one of the central images of who Jesus is uh, throughout Christian literature. In fact, look at the Trinity windows behind me, the, uh, the Trinity glass uh, high above the baptistry. And if you're sitting on the sides, you may not be able to see it. I hope you've reflected and maybe meditated on that in the past. The one in the center of the hand coming down is a depiction of God, the first person of the Trinity. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit is on your right, the dove. The one on your left is the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Now, of all of the images that artists could have used 
to depict for us the Trinity, to depict Jesus, that person of the Trinity we know as the Christ. There, there are so many, but, but so often the Lamb is that one that captures the image and people say, oh yes, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about Jesus. And visual art has a way of, of uh, stirring us and helping us see things and feel things and understand things we might not otherwise. So what does it mean that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God? Now, before I begin to answer that in a positive way, I need to deal very upfront with a distortion that has happened over the years, probably unintentionally, but, but a distortion that needs to be addressed. It is the distortion of Jesus, the Lamb of God, that pictures God as very angry and vengeful, pictures God as violent and bloodthirsty, uh, we don't intend it this way, we've never said it this way, but sometimes it's heard this way, that somehow Jesus uh, is the victim of God's temper tantrum, God is angry with us, and God says, I have to punish somebody, so I'll just kill my son. Now, that's a very, very non-biblical approach. Uh, you can see how that's one that would turn off an unbeliever who doesn't understand what we're really trying to say when we call Jesus the Lamb. And you can also understand that if someone has grown up in a home where there's domestic violence, where an authority figure is abusive, that someone would say, well, if God's just like my step-parent or my parent or that authority figure, then I don't want anything to do with Christianity. And so it's a very unhealthy shortcut and shorthand that distorts the true gospel of who the Lamb of God is. Let me just say it in a positive way. God's love for us does not have to be coerced. God's love for us doesn't have to be bribed. Uh, we we want to stay away from an image that, that God didn't really like us, but somehow Jesus made a payment and God says, okay, I take your payment. Do you really... Coerced love is not really love. Think about it. Some of you young people here, would you really want to go on a date with someone if you found out that someone had paid you to go on a date, uh, paid the other person to go on a date with you? That wouldn't be very romantic, would it? What if some of you found out that after you got married that uh, the other person was paid to marry you? Would that be love? Not very nice, right? God doesn't have to be coerced to love us. God doesn't have to be bribed to love us. And what's more, God did not start loving us on Good Friday. God has loved us from eternity past. And scripture says that from the foundation of the world. And I like what Richard Rohr says on this theme. He says, the cross of Christ is not there to change God's attitude toward us. It's there to change our attitude toward God. It's for us to begin to understand, oh, God loves us that much? That he would give up his only son? That he would pour out his own life? Because that's what happens when you see a child suffer. Your, your life is so invested in that child. That's how much God loves us. It doesn't change God's attitude toward us. He's always loved us but it changes our attitude toward God. This is a loving God. This is a merciful God. 
And one of the most central images of the Lamb of God throughout Scripture is the Passover Lamb. Now, please note that there are other times that lambs of sacrifice were offered through various Jewish offerings, but the primary one, the one that people knew the most about, was the Passover Lamb. You remember the story from Exodus chapter 12? After 400 years of cruel slavery, the Israelites had cried out in their bondage for God to to liberate them, and God heard their cry, and he called Moses, and the plagues came upon Pharaoh, but Pharaoh stubbornly would still not let them go. And then shortly before they were liberated, that death angel was coming over Egypt, And the Israelites were told to take the blood of a lamb without blemish and smear it on the doorposts and the death angel would pass over. And that's why that feast is called the Passover. And so while we do talk about the Lamb of God as being the one who forgives us and cleanses us, let's don't forget at the heart of the Judeo-Christian faith The Lamb also liberates us. God is a God of freedom, calling his people to liberation. And on a a day when we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr., we all are aware painfully of people in this world who desperately need to be set free in all kinds of ways. But at the deepest spiritual sense, there's that truth that we can be caught in cycles of sin, We can be caught in in addictions and behaviors that, that truly enslave us. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, doesn't just cleanse and forgive. He actually has power to set us free, to liberate us, to make us new, and to bring us into new worlds, into new lands. Jesus, the Passover, the Lamb of God. And you know, God does that because we're worth so much to God. I think sometimes we forget that one of the abiding messages of Jesus the Lamb is that we as human beings are worth so much to God. I want to show you a verse from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. It's on the screen, verses 18 and 19. You know that you were ransomed, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. Peter is saying, you need to understand what your ransom cost and how precious you are to God. And if you think about that in a logical way, if you want to know how much you're loved and how valued you are, just find out how much somebody is willing to pay if you ever get kidnapped. Now, some of us might be afraid to find out, right? Just take him. But really, at a serious level, how do you put a price on a person and you find out how much you're worth when you find out how much someone would pay for your ransom? And Peter has said, you're not trash. The lamb was given as ransom. For you, you're not trash. There may be people here this morning who are living in relationships 
of abuse, verbal abuse, mental abuse, uh, some kind of neglect, marginalized by others. And you actually in your own heart may have reached a point where deep down you feel like you probably deserve that kind of mistreatment. That's what happens to people who live with continual abuse or neglect. They begin to think, I must deserve this. I must not be worth much. Listen to me. You're not trash. You're not junk. God loves you. You're infinitely valuable. And we know that because of the price that's paid. Because God would not stop at any cost to rescue you and to rescue me. Then, of course, after exploring some of these other themes and, and angles of Lamb of God, we, we focus for a few minutes on the one that we probably know the most, the Lamb of God who forgives and cleanses and takes away our sin. Because isn't that what John said? That, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world well, I want you to notice the very first thing is that the scripture does not say, John the Baptist did not say, who takes away the sins of the world, small s, lowercase s-i-n-s, but the sin, I would say, uppercase, capital S-I-N, singular, because what the Lamb came to take away is not just a few bad habits, hopefully those too, but not just a few bad habits. What he came to take away was our sin condition, our posture of rebellion against this loving God, our posture of defiance that says, I don't need you in my life. In other words, he didn't come to deal with dandruff. He came to deal with disease, not just a few little things, a few flakes, but with the deep disease of sinful rebellion. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I think of it this way, that the innocent Lamb, Jesus Christ, without sin, exposed all of the world's hate and sin and violence, which he absorbed in his own body, and he absorbed that and he drew out the poison of the world until that poison was finally drained, until hate and violence and ugly sin could do nothing more till it, had, it was spent, till it, had, till it had simply been drained. And after having drained all of that poison and it was empty with nothing left to pour on him, he was still there. He was still obedient. The lamb was still God's son. He was raised from the dead. He conquered through nonviolent love. He conquered as the lamb. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not just my sin, not just the sin of people who are like us, who see things the way we see things, same color skin, same ideas, same dialect, but for the sin of the world. And notice that he takes away the sin of the world. 
The Greek word means to carry off. It means to bear away. In some Bible passages, blood is described as covering sin. But I want you to hear me this morning that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, does not cover our sins. He takes our sin away. He bears it away. And if you're here this morning and you're living with uh, debilitating guilt and you believe that somehow there is a sin that you have committed that God cannot forgive or will not forgive, then I have news for you. If you believe that, then you have made that sin and that guilt bigger than God. And that's idolatry. Because God and God's love are bigger than our sin and bigger than our guilt and bigger than our greatest mistake and misdeed. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't cover it. He carries it off, and it is no more. There's a famous painting of John the Baptist by uh, the painter Grunewald, and I hope this focuses clearly enough that you get the general idea. It's very famous, uh, and it shows John the Baptist with a small lamb near his feet, with a long bony finger pointing at the suffering Christ on the cross. It's a powerful image, one that evokes a great deal of meditation and reflection. The famous theologian, Swiss theologian Karl Barth, had a print of this uh, framed above his desk as he wrote some of his most powerful and uh, and authoritative writings on the theology of Scripture. And if you look at that carefully, you, you see that long finger pointing. Karl Barth once said, I want to be that finger. I want to be that one pointing to the Lamb of God. It really says it all. It, it really captures the entire passage of Scripture. That Jesus the Lamb... For us. I want to be that finger. How about you? I want to be in a relationship with that, with that one who would love us this much. In a moment when we give our uh, response time, we invite you, if you've never entered a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, with this Savior, uh, the altar is open, a time to come, and we can pray with you and help you step across that line, make that commitment, begin that relationship. But we would never pressure you. It's a time for you to reflect and ask questions, and we're available during the week. There are those who are here this morning already committed to Christ, but perhaps ready to move into a deeper commitment or church membership decision or a call to special, some special ministry to step up to a, a, new, a new challenge. Whatever, the Lamb of God, who paid everything to show us God's love, the Lamb of God is a real Savior.
a real liberator for each of us this morning. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving Father, we wait in your presence, inviting your spirit to stir us and move among us and teach us. Through Christ our Lord, amen.